Hello, hello, my name is Rainer and welcome to Nordic Sustainability Investigator. In this podcast, I'm interviewing sustainability managers from successful businesses in the Nordics to learn from them how to create more sustainable organizations. Marimekko is a Finnish lifestyle design company founded in 1951. Their product portfolio includes clothing, bags, accessories and home decor items, ranging from textiles to tableware. Sara Aspel works as a sustainability manager at Marimekko and in this episode she gives interesting insights into Marimekko's new sustainability targets for 2025. Hello, Sara. I'm so excited to talk with you about uh, sustainability at Marimekko today. Hello, Rainer, and thanks for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. So first, I would like to hear how did you start your career in sustainability and where did you get the interest? Well, I have begun my career in sustainability in 2013 through through work. So sustainability was part of my job description at the time when I started at Altia, my previous workplace. Uh, and since then, it has become a full-time job. And I, I think the, the interest came and, and still comes from being able to do something meaningful that has a wider positive impact to the environment and society. Uh, and I think another exciting ex- aspect about sustainability is that it is such a broad topic and there is always something to learn and something new to dig into. So that is something that I think continues to create excitement around the topic every day, almost. And another question that uh, I usually ask uh, uh, people and which is always very interesting is how do you define uh, sustainability for yourself? Well, this might be quite a quite a classic uh, definition, but but for me, sustainability is about acting with a long term perspective, uh, in a way that that preserves the environment also for the future generations, but also working with integrity towards your different stakeholders. For example, if we think about uh, Marimekko, then acting with integrity towards our partners, customers, and and also the workers in the supply chains. Great. So today you work as sustainability manager at Marimekko. Can you describe uh, what is Marimekko and uh, what are the main product lines? And also, uh, what is the phenomenon of Marimekko in Finland? Because when I studied in Finland, then I pretty much everywhere saw Marimekko's tote bags. So what makes Marimekko so popular? Yeah, well, if we start about the Marimekko, so we are indeed a Finnish lifestyle design company renowned for our prints and colors. Uh, and our product portfolio includes uh, clothing, bags and accessories, as well as different home decor items, uh, ranging from textiles to tableware. Uh, the company was founded in 1951. And I guess uh, the kind of phenomenon comes from the fact that for almost every Finnish person Marimekko has been a part of the daily life since childhood for example in in the form of curtains or bed linen or anything so almost everyone has some touch point to Marimekko. 
how many stores do you have and are you also active uh, abroad not in finland yes uh, so we are a global company even though we are based in, in finland Uh, our products uh, are sold in about 40 countries and we have around 150 stores around the globe and but also an online store that serves our customers in the different markets and our key key markets in addition to finland are the rest of the northern europe north america and the asia pacific region if you think of uh, marimekko's main values Uh, then what are they and uh, how do you translate them into your sustainability efforts? Hmm. Well, the company's design philosophy and its operations have always been based on the sustainable approach, uh, which is crystallized in, in wanting to offer our customers timeless and long-lasting products that they will not want to throw away. Uh, and this is still continues to be a, a key, uh, key pillar behind our sustainability at work as well. And we have six values, uh, which are living, not pretending, fairness to everyone and everything, common sense, getting things done together, courage and joy. And from these, especially the fairness to everyone and everything, getting things done together and bringing joy to people's lives are very much reflected in, in our sustainability efforts. For example, if we talk about the fairness to everyone and everything, this is actually at the heart of one of the three main principles that we, uh, in our new sustainability strategy that we just launched uh, in December 2020. And in, the, in addition, we very much believe in collaboration, in being able to promote more sustainable practices and believe that this will be actually even more important in the future as new materials and technologies will need to be developed to achieve our long-term vision for our operations, leaving no trace on the environment. But let's talk uh, more about uh, new uh, sustainability targets that you just launched in December. So what are the new targets? Yes, indeed. We just launched the new sustainability strategy until the year 25. And that is built around three guiding principles, which are timeless design brings joy for generations to come. Uh, the products of tomorrow leave no trace. And thirdly, positive change through fairness and equality. And in the new, new strategy, we have set concrete targets for each of the principles, which cover both our own operations and also the whole value chain. Uh, if just to mention a few, for example, by the end of 25, we are committed to reducing the environmental footprint of our textile materials by 30%, reduce emissions uh, from our own operations by 40%, and reduce the emissions of logistics by 50% per one kilo of goods transported, as well as reduce water usage by 50% per one kilo of textile material. In addition, we have set a longer term target to be fully transparent in our operations and the supply chain, starting from raw materials. And we have also launched a portfolio of projects that will get us started in our journey towards reaching these goals. And we recognize that there, we are by no means there yet, for example, for the leaving no trace. This is a very ambitious goal, but this is definitely a direction where we want to head to. And one of the first concrete pilots that we will launch next year is a pilot to resale pre-loved Marimekko items, which is very much at the core of our thinking 
about the timeless and long-lasting design that continues to bring joy for users and the next user after that. Let's uh, dig a bit a little bit more deep in every one of the three uh, main uh, targets. So the first one was the timeless design brings joy to generations to come. And as I understand, then the piloting of the uh, resale of pre-loved Marieko gems is uh, also part of that target. So can you explain this a little bit more? So for us, uh, the time bringing joy for generations to come through our timeless design means that we want to support our customers in passing on the products from one user to the next. And as a concrete example, we would indeed we will indeed pilot the resale of Marimekko vintage items in the spring of 21 in our newly launched online store. And in practice, this means that we, we have actually purchased a vintage items mainly from the 60s, 70s and 80s with our partner and we will offer them for sale in the online store and to celebrate our 70th anniversary year in 21 the first pilot will focus on beautiful and recognizable Marimekko dresses where also the whole whole Marimekko story started in 1951 with the Marimekko dress What does it mean that uh you purchased them from the partner. Did the partner go uh, knocking on the door of uh, previous customers and asking for uh, their old uh, Marimekko some products? Yes, we have had actually since already the year 2015, we have had a collaboration with a second-hand partner, uh, second-hand uh, uh, co-operator Vestis in Finland. So, So we have had a way of working where we, together with them, collect items from consumers through ev- events in stores. So we have had a kind of stock of items uh, with the partner. And and for this pilot, we have then purchased a share of those items for the online pilot. Very interesting. So let's go to the second target, which was the products of tomorrow leave no trace. And you have quite ambitious, or at least they seem a bit ambitious targets to me. Uh, So, for example, you say that uh, you will cut the footprint of your textile materials by 30%. And it says that it's measured in the HIC Material Sustainability Index. Uh, Can you explain the HIC Material Sustainability Index a little bit? Uh, What does it contain? What aspects of the production? Yes, definitely. So the HIG Material Sustainability Index measures the materials cradle to gate environmental impacts, which means the impacts from the raw material production to a ready-made fabric. And in the tool, an impact score is given for each of the materials, depending on the type of material and the processes involved in the production. The score takes into account the material's impact on global warming, eutrophication, water scarcity, resource depletion of fossil fuels, as well as the chemical used. So it's really a kind of broad environmental indicator and not just focusing, for example, on the emissions. And indeed, through using more sustainable materials, uh, we we aim to reduce the environmental impact measured with this score by 30% by 2025. So it uh, seems quite a complex uh, index, but... So 
I understand correctly that uh, you, you want to improve it simply by moving from one materials to another other materials that are more sustainable or do you also try to make the um, production of materials somehow more sustainable than they are now it's both we we are in the near coming years we will shift towards using more of these so-called lower impact materials when measured with the Higgy material sustainability index but in addition, on the side, we will also, of course, work with our suppliers to promote more environmentally friendly practices at the production stage. So, for example, working with uh, our suppliers to encourage them to use renewable energies or to take into use more environmentally friendly technologies or be more energy efficient, for example. What was the percentage that you want to decrease your own emissions Yes, we have indeed set uh, new emissions reduction targets, both for our own operations and, and for, uh, for the value, different parts of the value chain. So for our own operations, which means our printing factory offices and the stores which are operated by, by Marimekko globally, uh, we want to reduce emissions by 40% by 25. And for the value chain, we have set targets of reducing emissions of logistics by 50% by 25. And indeed, for the materials, we have a target of reducing the total in environmental footprint by 30%. But for emissions, the target is uh, at least 20% reduction. Mm -hmm. How are you going to achieve the decreases in both logistics and uh, like your own operations? Uh, so, for example, in logistics, do you uh, start using different um, like vehicles of transportation? Yeah, I think there are several ways where we can can find improvements, and and definitely this is an ambitious target. So there is lots of things that we also need to find. But uh, the things we can do is to continue optimizing the routes, how we transport from where and to to where how we transport. So for example, using more uh, lower emission modes of transport. We have, for example, already started to replace air transport with uh, rail transport, for example, from Asia. And also optimizing the, the shipments so that, for example, we are not transporting empty space or big, big boxes with a small amount of products in them. So there is lots of things that we're, where we can improve, but indeed it's an ambitious target and we have wanted to set it, set our ambition level high. What about the offices? How, how in practical terms do you start reducing the emissions of an office? Yes. So we have actually in the, if we look at the head office, we have already started the work uh, in the, in the building, for example, through energy efficiency, we, where we have actually in the whole building, we have achieved quite good results in in terms of reducing the energy use. Uh, then there is, of course, the type of energy you use. Uh, we aim to increase the use of renewable energy in, in our uh, printing mill, but also in our offices. And then there we have calculated into the footprint uh, also, for example, waste. So, of course, uh, reducing waste will further reduce the uh, emissions relating to to the waste treatment so there indeed there are quite a lot of things things we can do 
Uh, and of also we have included, for example, business flights into the broader carbon footprint. So that is, of course, now with the COVID-19, the business flights have come down not quite naturally. But in the future as well, this is an area where we can look at further savings in the carbon footprint. So the third main target of your uh, sustainability targets for 2025 is the positive change through fairness and equality, uh, where you aim at full transparency of operations and the supply chain. So how do you achieve that? What are the main uh, to-do things on the to-do, to-do list that you have to do? Yes. We will, this is again an ambitious goal, uh, which will require quite a long-term work. uh, And we have already started doing that work uh, in mapping our supply chains. Uh, Currently, we know at the steps in the supply chain, at least two steps back from us or upstream in the supply chain. But we will definitely need to continue the work as, as our ambition extends all the way to the raw materials. And in concrete terms, we will, we will continue working with our suppliers to map the map the supply chain upstream but also we are looking into how we can maybe use new technological solutions to improve the transparency and also further bring that information to the consumers so it's about kind of knowing where the products come from but also being transparent about it and about the footprint towards the consumers do you know how many manufacturing and supplier partners do you have at Marimekko and uh, uh, do you have any specific requirements for them? We had last year around uh, 75 supplier partners uh, with around 100 factories around the globe. And almost 70% of those suppliers are, are located in Europe. And we indeed choose our suppliers very carefully. And as we aim at long-term relationships with the suppliers, it's very important for us to find a suitable partner with whom we can develop the collaboration over the years. And we have indeed set certain sustainability requirements for our suppliers, which are mainly included in the supplier code of conduct. That is a part of the contracts we we sign with our suppliers. uh, And it includes all the different... uh, requirements when it comes to the social and environmental sustainability. In addition, we of course have also requirements when it comes to, for example, the chemical use. And for additionally for suppliers in risk countries, we require that the factory has completed a social compliance audit or will start the audit process with us if they don't have the audit already from the previous customers. So you mentioned that uh, they have some specific uh, chemical use requirements. Um, what, why do they have to have them and uh, what uh, issues related to chemicals are common in the, in the industry? Yes, uh, the, the production of textiles uh, involves quite a lot of different stub- substances and chemicals uh, and the use of which is, is quite strictly regulated in the EU, but also in other markets that we sell to, for example, in the US. So, of course, we need to take sure, make sure that, uh, that all our suppliers comply with these requirements. In addition, we have, uh, as part of our sustainability work, we have set ourselves a target to try to find 
more environmentally friendly alternatives for the chemicals we use. So we have, for example, phased out certain chemicals such as PFCs due to their harmfulness and, and have started to explore like uh, greener chemicals and substances. For example, next year we will, we will launch our first products printed with a natural dye, a plant-based dye grown in Finland. Very exciting. But have you had any problems with the partners that, uh, for example, they said that they won't use some specific chemicals, but then it turned out they actually used? We haven't had so many so many findings uh, in total. We actually do a risk-based testing for, for each of our collections. So we select a certain number of items to be sent for chemical testing. And, and so far, the, the tests have passed or to a large extent. Last year, I think we found two cases where there was a minor uh, exceeding of a limit, uh, but we were able to correct these before the products were sold to the markets. So, But overall, the, the results are quite positive, which we are, of course, happy about. It's not, a, not an easy, easy topic to manage with, a, with the suppliers or with the long supply chains in the textile industry, but we have been... Uh, positively well i wouldn't say surprised but but it has been very positive to see that the results are actually in line with our requirements what do you see are the typical challenges uh, when you encounter uh, the supply supplier management so especially if you like roll out uh, new ambitious targets that also affect your suppliers then how do they react on that mm. Well, I think one of the challenges, uh, which I kind of referred to already in the previous answer, is is the long and complex supply chains in the textile industry. So, of course, we have we have contacts with with our direct suppliers who might do only one stage of the production themselves, or they might do several. So, depending a bit on how the each of the supply chains is structured, it may take a bit more work from us, but also from the supplier to to kind of push our requirements forward to to their supply chains. So that is uh, one challenge for for the transparency, but it is also a challenge in kind of implementing the the requirements that we have. But overall, we try to select suppliers who also have have their own kind of sustainability agenda and and who, who are able to support our sustainability targets and who maybe have other customers who have similar requirements than us. So that, that helps in, in implementing these requirements in the supply chain. Mm-hmm. So would you say that uh, you don't have to um, use some additional in- incentives for the suppliers to make them more sustainable, but they understand that it's necessary because uh, the market is moving towards uh, uh, like bigger sustainability targets anyway? I think it's both. I think we need, there are indeed, I think we've seen like movement towards uh, them taking proactively uh, more sustainable practices into use. And, and sometimes we might have a situation where actually the supplier is able to offer us something that we haven't maybe <laughs> thought of yet. Uh, but but there is also the part where we need to do the kind of persuasion and encouragement to to start for example, the use of uh, renewable energy is a, is a tricky one as it is a big investment. So there we might need to do 
encouragement and and discuss about the the importance and so on and this is a area where we still need to work quite a lot in the future as as the local energy infrastructures for example might be quite dependent on fossil fuels do you have any examples of when the supplier came to you and offered something yeah well for example in in terms of materials i think there's always uh the suppliers of course who are working with the fabrics yarns and fabrics they are kind of in the more maybe hands-on in the development of new materials and so on so they might have uh be able to offer us something that we haven't yet uh looked for so for example uh we have one supplier who is offering uh vegan vegan fabrics or or we might have like uh suppliers with with a big portfolio of different types of sustainable materials including for example use of recycled fibers and recycling for example the cutting waste of their own production very interesting uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I guess you still need to do audits to make sure that uh, uh, your suppliers are uh, doing what they have to do. So how often do you conduct these audits in your supply chain? And do you use mostly third party or do you do you also do some audits yourself? For the actual social audits, we mostly use external factory auditors. Uh and for these audits, I would say a typical audit cycle is from one to two years, and it depends a bit on the audit result. So if there is something something to improve, then then a follow-up audit might be needed in one year. But if there's less findings, uh, then a cycle of two years is enough. Uh, in addition to these external audits, we do visit the factories ourselves. Of course, not now so much during the COVID pandemic, but in normal times. We do it on average once a year. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the materials you use at Marimekko. Uh, and uh, what materials are the most common that you use and why do you consider them to be sustainable? We use a lot of natural fibers such as cotton, linen and wool. And of course, in addition, we use, for example, man-made fibers such as viscose and lyocell. Uh, and in addition, we, of course, have the home category where we uh, use uh, have products made of non-textile materials as well, like ceramic, glass and wood. Uh, for us, the, the two main criteria when choosing materials are their long-lastingness and the sustainability of the production process. And for us, also any new, more sustainable materials need to pass the long-lasting test as as maximizing the product's lifetime is actually key to reducing the environmental impact. Uh, according to, to the report by the Ella MacArthur Foundation, if items were actually used twice as long as today, the whole industry's emissions would be reduced by more than 40%. So it's a, it's a big impact. So, so for us, the long-lastingness is a key sustainable attribute of, of the materials. But of course, indeed, we pay also attention to the sustainability of the production process. And, and as we discussed earlier, we will in the future be using more of these lower impact materials that are better in terms of their environmental impacts or from a social point of view. 
in in last year we have actually done done this work quite a lot but and in uh, in 2019 already almost 90% of all the cotton we used was more sustainably farmed better cotton so we have started the journey but there's definitely more to do do you use any recycled materials too Yes, yes, we do. And this is something that we have started to increase during the recent years. For example, last year, we have shifted our uh, polyester products uh, into recycled polyester. Uh, in addition, we use recycled wool and cotton, and, and we aim to increase the share of recycled materials overall in the future, as they also do have a lower lower environmental impact. I read that uh, you have some kind of cooperation with the Finnish company Spinnova. If I understand, they make some kind of uh, uh, material from wood fibers. Um, can you tell more about the cooperation? Yes, we have indeed a cooperation with Spinnova, which started in the year 2017. Uh, and Spinnova has developed a technology that en- enables uh, spinning wood pulp into a fiber without any harmful chemicals and with a lot of le- lot less water than for example cotton use so that is a really really interesting alternative for the future and we launched earlier in 2020 our first prototypes made with the spinova fiber and these were actually the first first printed items made with the fiber and they were printed in our own printing factory in Helsinki But this is a uh, very interesting innovation, and and it is currently in a pre-commercial phase. But we, of course, hope to be able to use that material in the future and also bring it available to the consumers. Sounds very exciting. Uh, do you have any year or month in 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 mind when uh, we could buy this from your shops? Well, that is uh, quite difficult to predict. Uh, it depends on how how fast the spinova can commercialize their operations but but definitely we hope that it will happen during this our new sustainability strategy period until the year of 25 what uh, potential uh, do you see in this uh, product uh, so how do, how would you compare it with other materials uh, you use at marimekko and uh, what percentage of the whole materials do you think it could replace Well, I think the potential comes from the the way of production, which is uh, which has quite low impact, as I mentioned. It, it doesn't use any any harmful chemicals, and also the water use is I think it was ninety nine percent less than cotton production for the fiber. So that is a huge huge difference, and it is also less energy consuming. It consumes sixty five percent less, produces sixty five percent less emissions than the production of a cotton fiber. So these are quite quite big, big figures in a production process. So it is definitely lower impact. And I think another benefit is that uh, the technology enables using different kinds of wood and other also other cellulose-based raw materials. So for example, the t- technology could be suitable for using waste material as a raw material which would otherwise be thrown away so that is really something that might overall reduce the impacts quite a lot uh, as regards to your question about the share of of products it might replace the material in i i don't have a percentage to give and of course it depends on on how the material develops and what kind of material uh, alternatives can be done with the fiber 
and what what type of functions they are suitable for. But definitely, we hope to start uh, trialing this material and see how it how it behaves and and what kind of quality it has, for example, from the long long lastingness point of view. If you would have to choose one, the most sustainable material, what would it be? And I think uh, let's not uh, say Spinova's um, <laughs> material right now because yeah, you cannot buy it at shop, but other materials that Marimekko uses. Yeah. Uh, I think as all the materials involve the use of uh, different kinds of resources and involve various production processes, if we look at the environmental impacts, for example, or social impacts, uh, I don't think there is a 100% sustainable material. Uh, there might be materials that are more sustainable than others, but not the kind of fully fully sustainable material yet. And, and for us, uh, a long-lasting material is actually the most sustainable one, as this reduces the need to use additional virgin materials for the production of new items, and also, of course, then reduces the related impacts. So can you name uh, one material that uh, would go under this uh, uh, criteria better than others? <laughs> no, I wouldn't name one because it also depends on the function of the product. For, for different types of uses, you need different materials. But if just for if we take a cotton dress, for example, that is quite long lasting. So, but of course, we then want to use more sustainably farmed cotton. But then for an outerwear, a cotton might not be the most suitable material. Okay. Why do you use uh, leather and other animal materials? Uh, can you replace them uh, with uh, plant-based materials in the future? Mm. Well, we use use leather and other animal-based materials as as they are very long-lasting materials when they are properly cared for. Uh, in addition, leather is is a byproduct of the food industry, which would otherwise be thrown away if not used by the leather industry. But of course, there are also also a lot of interesting alternatives coming to the market to replace such items, such materials. And we are indeed exploring, for example, a plant-based leather alternative for our future collections. Yeah, I would argue that leather is a co-product of food industry, not the byproduct. And uh, also because leather uh, usually uh, requires quite many toxic chemicals to make it long-lasting, then I, I, I would say it's not that sustainable. Or what are your comments about that? Yeah, of course, there are, as for any other materials, there are environmental impacts related to the production. But we are, for example, working working with our suppliers to, to use tanneries that, are, that take care of their wastewaters properly and that are also certified by, for example, the Leather Working Group, which which uh, certifies the tanneries for, for their environmental practices, but also, for example, worker safety. So we are kind of working with our suppliers to, to reduce the environmental impact and also to take into account the welfare of the animals involved. For us, this is a part of the our value. I mentioned the fairness to everyone and everything. Uh, you mentioned uh, that there are very interesting uh, plant-based letter materials on the market already. Um, do you use uh, any of these already or uh, do you plan using in the future? 
we are exploring these uh, new types of materials. Uh, currently, our kind of uh, non-leather alternatives are textile bags. So we have a lot of bags made with cotton canvas and, and poly polyamide, for example, which are very long lasting as such. So, but we are for the future ones, we are also exploring these new kinds of leather alternatives. Uh, how important is uh, product packaging uh, in Marimekko's sustainability? Uh, we aim to increase the use of more sustainable materials also in packaging. Uh, the packaging materials we currently use are already 100% recyclable. In practice, however, not all of it is recycled yet as the recycling infra infrastructure is not the same in all countries or even in all areas within Finland. Uh, in the future, we aim to further reduce the use of plastic and, and use more recycled and reusable alternatives. So indeed, they're definitely an area we are looking into as well, apart from the textile materials we use. Uh, when you think of uh, Marimekko's sustainable, sustainability more broadly, then can you name any specific uh, United Nations sustainable development uh, goals that you focus most on? Uh, yeah, we focus our actions on, on the initiatives where we feel we can achieve the biggest positive impact. Uh, our sustainability work overall, I think, touches on quite many of the sustainable development goals. Uh, but we have selected seven of them to be most relevant. Uh, and these include, for example, the goal number 12, responsible production and consumption. Uh, the goals number 13 and 7, which are clean and affordable energy and uh, climate action. Uh, and goal number 8, decent work and economic growth. So, for example, when it comes to responsible consumption and production, we definitely see that our work to extend the product lifetime supports uh, responsible consumption patterns. And in, in addition, we aim to be uh, resource efficient and indeed use, increase the use of more sustainable materials. And, and for the climate action, of course, we already discussed about the, the emissions targets we have set for the future. So that is a really important area we want to focus on in the next years. And, and the decent work and economic growth, of course, relinks quite closely with our supply chain, increasing the transparency in the supply chain and also continuing to promote human rights, living wages, worker empowerment and safe working conditions in the supply chain. Um, what do you think uh, could be done better at, with sustainability at Parimekko? What are the main uh, bottlenecks? The sustainability work is always a journey and, and I think there's always things where we can improve. Uh, but indeed, the, the things we want to focus on in the near future are, as, as mentioned, indeed, further supporting our customers in extending the lifetime of our products, as we think that this is an area where, where we can achieve quite a lot of impact. And this will be done, for example, through the resale pilot, but also through better careability and repairability of our products in the future. Uh, the second uh, development area that we will focus on is, of course, reducing the emissions across the value chain. And we also aim to align our targets with the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. And, and then thirdly, uh, improving the transparency. This is an area where we still, still need to do quite a lot of work, and but are committed to do that step by step. 
and I guess one of the bottlenecks in a way is that as as the whole spectrum of sustainability issues is so broad, uh, it's it's not possible to do everything at once, even if we would want to. So we need to do quite a lot of prioritization. Uh, we have quite a small sustainability team, so it's very important that we evolve all the other functions in, into the sustainability work as well. But I think at Marimekko, we have a super engaged staff, so that is a big benefit for us going forward and reaching our new ambitious goals. And what do you think are the three most important lessons from Marimekko that other companies could learn from to become more sustainable? Well, I would uh, name yeah three things that I think uh, we have done well. Uh, so for us, sustainability has indeed always been part of the philosophy and way of thinking. Uh, and sustainability is part of the daily work at Marimekko for, for many of the employees. And it's part of living according to our values. But having it kind of spread in the organization makes us consider our decisions from multiple points of view but it also raises quite good discussions internally, which in turn help us develop our work further. Uh, secondly, I think I would highlight the benefits of collaborations. We already touched upon our collaboration with Spinnova, but we have participated in, uh, in two other projects recently that focus on new, more sustainable materials. So we are part of the Ion Cell project led by Aalto University and University of Helsinki in Finland. And just recently, we also shared indeed the news that we will launch our first products printed with natural dyes next year. And this is a result of our collaboration with Natural Indigo Finland. And for the collaborations, I think it's very exciting to see how fast such collaborations can develop from just an idea into, into reality. And the outcome could then benefit the whole, whole industry. Thirdly, I think that uh, for for us, we have since our early days been in, been an example and of slow fashion uh, products that can be worn for decades and even be passed on to the next generation. We sometimes hear these stories that I have this dress from my grandmother and it's still in mint condition. So those are like those are really really nice to hear and proves that the products can actually last for decades. And and we continue to value this history and want to do even more to to make sure that this actually happens so that consumers can take care of the products, pass them on, and someday, hopefully, also recycle them back into new products or materials. If you think of the fashion and uh, home decor industry in the next decade, then what do you think are the biggest changes happening in the industry? Uh, for example, uh, Sato Maranen told in one article, uh, well, she is the designer of Marimekko's ready-to-wear bags and accessories, that uh, her, opini- her opinion was that uh, the fast fashion trend will get smaller and smaller as customers become increasingly interested in products that last. Mm. Uh, do you agree with her? And do you have any other points about the future uh, challenges in the industry? Yes, I definitely agree with with Satu. I think uh, we have already seen during this pandemic that sustainability considerations have become even more important factors in in the purchasing decisions of consumers and also our business to business customers. And and I strongly believe that less is more in the future. 
and and that less <laughs> needs also to be made in a sustainable way. So definitely, I think the pandemic has also taught us a bit to to value the things we have a bit more and maybe realize that we might not need so many things in the first place. But looking at the other trends, I, I believe that we will see a development towards a more circular economy, uh, which could be visible in the form of more active secondhand markets, clothes as a service type of business models, uh, further development of the textile recycling technologies, and also more innovative ways to utilize the materials again. Uh, so for example, upcycling instead of using virgin resources. So taking a waste material and making something new out of it. And other, the other big thing I hope to see take place and I think will need to take place uh, is the transition into different kinds of lower impact production techniques. Uh, moving the circularity efforts will also, of course, support this object. But I think in, in addition, we need to speed up the shift uh, towards, for example, renewable energy, uh, lower impact production techniques, such as the Spinova production example, and even totally new technologies and practices. So, for example, how, how to capture carbon from the air or how to farm the raw materials in a way that stores carbon in the soil and, and preserves the fertility of the ground, soil, for example. Very exciting. And uh, thank you so much, Sara, for sharing yours and Marimekko's experience. And if uh, listeners want to learn more about sustainability at Marimekko or contact you, uh, where can they do it? Yes, definitely. We are always happy to receive feedback uh, from our customers and different stakeholders. So definitely, if you have any any ideas or comments about our sustainability work, then you can drop an email to sustainability at marimekko.com and, and also have a look at our website where we have a lot of different, a uh, lot of information about our new sustainability targets. Thank you for listening. If you would like to listen to future episodes, then be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Also, you can leave your feedback or recommend somebody for an interview at our website, nordicsustainabilityinvestigator.com.